you know, what you see on TV with Gordon Ramsay versus what you get inside of Snooze is, is really like a polar opposite. So, you know, we treat each other with kindness. We treat each other with respect. Um, you know, we are really focused on being a sustainable company and being uh, nice to Mother Earth. We are focused on, uh, you know, improving the communities that, that we're serving in. I ask a lot and I'm being given a lot. And so I just believe that I should also give a lot. Um, and so I walk around all day, not only asking people for things, but thinking how I can give back to them as well. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm your host, James Crange. Today, I am joined by Jack Parsons, the head chef at Snooze and AM Eatery. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Man, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is this is great. Um, I met you at the Cuisine for Healing event, uh, where you were one of the featured chefs there. I think you made a salad, right? I did. And uh, it was awesome. So delicious. Thank uh, you. But I hadn't heard of you previously, but I knew that I wanted to get you onto the podcast because just the way I saw you interact with the other workers there and then the precision and care you put into every single salad that went out said that guy, you know, he's someone I need to pick his brain. So I want to ask you, or I want to say it was really inspiring to watch you do that. Do you put that kind of care into every single meal at, at Snooze as well? Sure. Um, I would say that I try to put that care into every single meal that I make in, in life in general, whether it be for my family or friend or um, in the restaurant. You know, I'm just passionate about food uh, <laughs> and and um, having people enjoy enjoy that experience, you know. Yeah, why is that so important to you? I mean, for me, I'm not a chef, but when I cook a food, cook food, if it's okay, then it's fine. <laughs> you know, what, sure. what is it that drives you to make it great? Um, I think that I attach a lot of like really early memories. Um, I grew up with a lot of women in my life. So my grandmother, my mom, my sister were all big figures in my life. And uh, a lot of early childhood memories are around the kitchen and cooking and around the dinner table and things like that. And um, I think that a meal is more than just something to nourish your body with. You know, it's an experience or it can kind of create a memory for you. And so if I can sort of assist that, um, I, I think that that just takes food to a whole nother level, you know. What, what are some of those earliest things that you've cooked? Um, so I can just remember, uh, specifically on Sunday mornings, um, my grandmother's Catholic and so she would go to church and come home and she would cook for us and, um, you know, it would be her and she would make the entire meal for the whole family and she would make tamales and eggs and beans. Uh, my mom's half of the family is, um, all from Mexico. Um, so just, just like I said, those early memories of just kind of being in the kitchen with the family and everybody being together. Um, I just remember those as being really fun times and, um, you know, something that I love. Would you say that, and, and this is something I'm just interested at, working at a culinary school, and sure. I see a lot of the students have a passion for another form of art beyond uh, just the culinary side. Absolutely. Do you have a passion for any other kind of art? You know, uh, when I was younger, I used to, I'm, I'm really passionate about music. I love music in general. Um, and I was never really good. I don't have a good singing voice. I tried <laughs> to couple, pick up an instrument a couple times and that was uh, never bared any fruit. But, um, you know, when all of uh, sort of the electronic elements of music sort of came out, um, you, 
it, something about that really interested me, and so I, I picked up uh, DJing for a little while. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I had some, and I never was out at a club or playing shows or anything like that. But at home, I mean, there was years that I spent just kind of toying around with the turntables and records and music at home. Um, and so that's the only other form of art that I was really, really into for a while. Um, and I still play around every once in a while, but, um, you know, it's kind of taking a backseat to family and, you know, career and all yeah. that stuff. I think that's cool. I, w I would love to be a DJ because I can't sing it either and I can't <laughs> play an instrument. So right. it's a, a nice in between. Do you see any connection between music and food? Of course. Yeah. You know, I think that with both, um, it's just this beautiful mix of art and science, you know, um, because if you break down music, um, it's, it's really a lot about math. Uh, it just is, um, you know, rhythm and beats and things like that go on certain counts and, uh, you know, you can use numbers to find all that. And it's the exact same thing with food. When you break down food, uh, to its rawest form, you know, you're putting measurements and ratios together that, that really, uh, that combine to make something greater. Um, and I, I feel like it's almost the exact same thing as music. So. Yeah, I, that's really cool. I love that connection there. Yeah. Um, so you work for at Snooze, and, and we'll get into that, and it's kind of a breakfast kind of brunch spot. Sure. But do you have, have you always been more on the breakfast side, or, or do you have a favorite thing to cook? So by default, uh, I had uh, the, the largest chunk of my career I spent with a company out at DFW airport. And so by default, you know, you open every day at five o'clock for breakfast when the first flight goes out. And so, um, again, those memories that I sort of spoke of earlier with my grandmother and mom, um, you know, a lot of those are breakfast memories. Um, and so, and then it sort of translated over to my first really like big career job at the airport, um, or you serve breakfast for, you know, the first four or five hours of every day. Um, and you know, I think probably most of us, it was beat into our heads as a child, you know, that's the most important meal, you know, you yeah. have to eat breakfast. So, um, I, I think it's a great way to start your day. You know, I think it's a, a, a great way to set the tone for your whole day. So I think breakfast is really important, um, for a lot of people. Um, and, and I have always been a little bit involved a little bit passionate about the breakfast side of things. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. And I'm glad you brought up the airport. I wanted to ask you about that. It was out of TGI Fridays, right? It was, yeah. And so it's kind of interesting because I was with them for so long, um, about 13 years. And with TGI Fridays, um, for 10 of those 13 years, I was a kitchen manager. And even as the kitchen manager, I didn't really get to learn. And so to back up a little bit and give you a little bit earlier of my history. I, I was never uh, formally trained. I never went to a culinary school or anything like that. I just kind of worked my way up. And so being a, a kitchen manager with TGI Fridays didn't really afford me a lot of culinary knowledge or skills or anything like that. Um, it was more about like people and business management, which are two really, really important things to have in your in your toolkit, you know, uh, wherever you go, whether you're an executive or a head chef or you own your own restaurant, if you don't know how to manage a business and people, um, you're probably not going to be that successful. <laughs> um, so it was really cool to get those tools with them and then to be able to leave and start really sharpening my, my culinary schools skill set. Yeah. And well, now I've have like 8 million questions running through my head <laughs> from, from just what you just said. So I'll ask you first, uh, you didn't have that formal training. Who are some of the people that 
you have to thank for helping you get to where you are now? Sure. Um, I think early on, again, not to sound repetitive, but it's just my family. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom was a single mother and she always cooked food. She always cooked us dinner every single night. And so as I got older, I realized how impressive it was for her to have a full-time job, to be a single parent to two children, cook dinner every night, um, and cook all of our meals on the weekends, make lunches for us to take to school. Um, it was really impressive um, for her to be able to accomplish that. And so that is really a huge inspiration for me. Um, and I think that we all know that, you know, the, the more home cooked your fresh your meal is, the more, you know, the healthier, healthier it is for you in general. Yeah. So just for her to sort of instill in us to stay away from processed and, <laughs> and fast food and those kinds of things is really impressive. So definitely the first person I would think was my mom. Um, again, my, my grandmother and my grandfather were um, both really heavily involved in my life as a child. Both of them cooked all the time. Um, in my later years, I worked for this German chef and he was really a big inspiration for me. Um, and he was just had this worldly knowledge. He'd worked all over the world. He's worked in Egypt, Germany, um, you know, a few other places around the U.S. And, uh, and then finally here in Dallas, it was just really neat to kind of follow him and, and learn a lot. Um, just, to, just by watching him do what he did, it, again, it really inspired me to sort of be who I am right now. So Cool. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. He was, you know, you, you say the word chef, and sometimes you think of the guy that's like throwing things around the kitchen, or <laughs> yeah. Gordon Ramsay on TV yelling at people, and uh, this guy was the total opposite. He was just um, the most mellow, even-keeled guy that I had ever worked for. Uh, again, and, and that part in itself was inspiring to me and sort of I try to sort of mimic him when I'm in the kitchen these days as well. Cool. And I'm glad you brought up the, the Gordon Ramsay thing because mm -hmm. part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast was to highlight chefs that actually do it the right way and, and don't treat their employees poorly. Sure. And and we'll, we'll get into more about because I know you treat your employees well and, and I know when I went to visit the restaurant people had nothing but nice things to say about you. So <laughs> uh, I, I know that you, you do a great job of that. So that's why I was happy to have you on today. Thank you. Um, but I do want to ask you a couple of things about being at that TGI Fridays at DFW. Of course, yeah. Um, when you're working there, I don't think that a place like that gets the respect that it deserves. Definitely it can't not. be an easy job, right? So tell me about, you talked about the, the business part of it and, and interacting with people. Sure. What were some of the hardest things about that job? And, and what could you say to someone that says, oh, it's just an easy uh, easy place to be. Sure. Um, well, I mean, for anybody that thinks that waking up at 3.30 in the morning every day is really <laughs> easy, I think they're probably fooling themselves. But, um, you know, any and any restaurant, I, I respect all people that work in restaurants because um, each individual restaurant has its own challenges. I don't care if you're in fast food or fine dining. Um, it's, it's all challenging in one way or another. Um, so to get up every day at that time and to put together a team of people that um, that really wants to work to their fullest potential. And, you know, it's, it's again, it's easy to ride off the airport as this thing where you have a captive audience. And, you know, even if you're not doing so well or not putting out a great product, people don't really have anywhere to go. Yeah. Um, and so 
I'm a bit competitive. Uh, <laughs> I, I like being good at what I do. And so I think that it was always for me at the very least, it was a competition to see who could be the best restaurant inside the airport. Cause maybe those people don't have, uh, you know, they, they don't have the luxury of being able to leave the terminals, but yeah. even inside the airport, you've still got 20 or 30 different choices. If you have time, you know, you can travel to another terminal or whatever. And if, you know, if we could be the best out there and the choice, uh, where people wanted to go, then to me that that was a success, you know, that's, that's, that's a challenging thing to do because, you know, people sort of have this, um, preconceived notion about what you are as a TGI Fridays inside of an airport restaurant. But then, you know, it's really cool for people to have these certain expectations and then to come in and have this really great experience and then for them to stop you and say, hey, you know, this was really amazing today. Thank you for being here and being open and, you know, being sort of a, um, you know, I'm sure that, you know, traveling is hectic, you know, yeah. traveling is stressful. Um, and so when you're sort of in a really hectic and stressful situation, if you can get 30 minutes to go and just relax or um, go somewhere where you can, um, you know, get a bite to eat and a drink and just sort of change your mood before you're on to the next leg, then, you know, that's really a win. Um, and so it's really, it was really neat to be able to be that for, for those people that, that are going through that situation. Yeah, it's, it's actually cool you brought that up because I last weekend had to fly home for a family emergency and sure. it was stressful. And, uh, but I went to actually went to TGI Fridays at Did Terminal you? A is my favorite one. Sure. And, uh, just got to eat some chicken fingers and have a drink and it was so relaxing. Sure. And it was, it was nice. It was a nice experience and you're so right how different that can be. To some other places where it's just not as nice. Which terminal were you in? So I was with them for 13 years, and I actually had the opportunity to work at at the we at the time we had six restaurants out there. And okay. So um, in the 13 years that I was there, I got to work at all six restaurants. Cool. So just depending on which year you're talking about <laughs> depends on which terminal I was in. So. Sure, that's cool. Yeah. Um, what, what's the turnover rate like at a job like that? Um, in the airport, it is a lot more difficult, uh, just like you have sort of a captive audience as far as guests. It's almost the same thing with the employees out there, and uh, the employees know that. And so um, I think that it is easy for anybody to be able to say, hey, you know what, this place isn't really treating me right. To walk out the door and get a job the very next day they could be working in a different restaurant right down the terminal um, because it is so difficult to attract talent inside the airport i mean if i asked you you have an option to work at a restaurant where you can pull up in the parking lot walk inside and go right to work or you have a second option where you can park in an employee parking lot <laughs> you can take a 30 minute bus ride in 20 to 30 minute bus ride in depending on the day then you're going to have to stand in line and go through security and get your bags checked. And so you have to do that every day as an employee. You do. Wow. Um, so the managers will get a, a special access, but all uh, the hourly employees go through security just like passengers do. Some That's terminals crazy. will have a, uh, a separate line, a designated line where all the employees can kind of go through that line and it speeds things up a little bit. Um, but you know, I'm, we're asking people to take an extra hour, an hour and a half of their day, once they get to the airport to get inside and to get out of work. And so um, it's challenging and it's sometimes, uh, you know, an added level of, um, 
you know, something to go through just to get to your job that people just don't want, you know. Um, but it's also a really different and neat experience. You know, I've, I've met some really interesting people inside the airport. You see, you know, walks, uh, every, every kind of walk of life that you could imagine. Uh, people, and you know, it's sort of like you brought up, you went home for a family emergency. People are not always traveling to go on vacation. Sometimes they're traveling for reasons that aren't so pleasant. And, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of, like I said, uh, it's kind of neat to be able to be there for those people as well. Yeah, I think, I think that's really cool, but I'm sure you're happy now to be working at a place where you can just pull into a parking lot and, and go right inside. Much more convenient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about it a little bit. Let's talk about Snooze. Uh, it has close to 20 locations in California, uh, Colorado, Arizona, and Texas. I know that it's been a huge hit here in Fort Worth. I actually haven't eaten there yet, uh, which is a miss on my part. I'm, I'm going to have to get there. That's right. Um, but what's the concept behind it, and why do you think it's been so successful across the country? Sure. Um, so, I, and I, I don't want to correct you by any means, but just to celebrate a little bit of success, we just opened our 35th restaurant. Oh, wow. I was way off. That's great. <laughs> we just opened our 35th restaurant in the Woodlands in Houston, and our growth plan is to open one a month. For the next 50 months or so. Wow. Um, That's so, amazing. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so if we talk next month or in six months from now, that number is going to change drastically again. Um, but, yeah, Snooze is great. It, it is, um, it's, for me, it's the new TGI Fridays. Uh, you know, when the reason that I stayed with TGI Fridays for so long is because they genuinely cared about you as a person, an individual. They genuinely cared about their employees. And, um I've sort of rediscovered that again with snooze. Um, and you don't find that everywhere. I, it, there was a gap of three or four years in between. And I worked at four or five different restaurants in between looking for that, you know, it's something that I've been sort of searching for and I found it with snooze. And I, I think that I'll be there for a very, very long time because of it. So give me an example um, of, of how they treat not only you as the head chef, but also the other employees. as well. Sure. So, um, it's, it's just ingrained. I can't point to one or two really specific things. Um, what I can say, though, that is it's ingrained in the culture. It's just really a cultural thing about how we even speak to it. You know, the, it's, it, and it's, it's from the biggest thing to the smallest thing. So we can start with talking about, you know, what you see on TV with Gordon Ramsay versus what you get inside of Snooze is, is really like a polar opposite. So, you know, we treat each other with kindness. We treat each other with respect. Uh, we're fair to each other. You know, we talk to each other in a manner that is is not disrespectful or mean or uh, or even harsh. You know, um, and it's it's not always easy to do that because in the heat of battle, when when you're trying to serve seven or eight hundred people on a weekend, uh, you know, the first thing to go <laughs> the first thing to go is the softness in your voice. You know. <laughs> Um, so it's not always an easy thing, but it, like I said, it's it's a cultural thing, and it's it's just something that snooze embodies, and um, so up so so all that's the smallest thing, all the way up to the biggest thing is there. Snooze created a program where um, you have the opportunity to donate uh, money from your paycheck every week, and so um, we voluntarily ask every single employee to donate this money, and then it goes into a fund. Um, and then something, if, if something happens to one of our peers, uh, somebody gets sick or they have, 
you know, uh, a child or a parent uh, that has some sort of issues, we can um, write a letter to the corporate office and sort of petition for money out of this fund to go to the employee to help them out. That's really neat. Yeah, it is really neat. And um, what's even neater is we have, uh, I believe, 100% participation inside the Fort Worth restaurant, and we have the highest participation as a region uh, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth region. I think it's in the high 90s as far as uh, participation from all the employees and managers. It's really, it's really just kind of this cool deal where everybody wants to help each other out. Yeah, I, that is that is really awesome. I didn't realize that. That's, yeah. that's cool. And I mean, even beyond that, it seems like you must just create such a sense of, you know, welcomeness and, and openness to people. Uh, because like I said, when I went in to, to kind of check out the place, Fortunately, I couldn't say to eat there. Um, I did have to get back to work, but sure. when I went in to check it out, I was I asked a few people, you know, what, what's one thing you'd say about Jack? What's one? It just they love working there. They love working with you. I don't know how much everyone works for you. I, I don't know how that all works, but um, why do you think that people love working for you so much? Um, I don't think that's an easy question to to answer with one sentence, but um, you know, I tried to just lead with my heart. Uh, I, in, in, a, in a short answer, I try to lead with my heart. And when making decisions, um, you know, all we do all day long is ask things from our employees. We ask them, you know, to do this, to clean that, to make this dish, to um, adjust what they're doing as far as, you know, how they're preparing an item. And so I walk around all day asking people for things. and. I just believe that relationships in general are circular, good relationships anyways. If you have a good relationship with you know, your significant other or your family member or a friend or even a coworker, um, and you think on that relationship, it always comes back to them being circular. It's a give and take. Um, and so I ask a lot and I'm being given a lot. And so I just believe that I should also give a lot. Um, and so I walk around all day, not only asking people for things, but thinking how I can give back to them as well. Um, and so I think just with that sort of mindset, um, it for them, hopefully it feels more of like a partnership than a boss employee relationship. And so I think it's just a little bit easier uh, for, for me to be able to ask those things whenever we have a partnership as opposed to um, a boss and an employee yeah, and just sure. asking them for things all day long. And, and how do you keep yourself, and you've probably kind of already answered it, but how do you keep yourself from getting overly stressed that you start yelling at people when you have a rush of 70, 100 people, whatever it is? Sure. Um, well, I can tell you this. I, I don't, I would say that I probably never yell at people. Um, but on occasion, I can be a little bit snappy. <laughs> um, I, I, and that's just being very honest. And so I think when those rare occasions happen, um, you know, at the end of the shift, I'm always seeking that person out and I'm always having a conversation. And I think that's what really keeps those relationships intact is just daily maintenance, conversations where I'm asking people how they're feeling, how they're doing, how do you love your job, you know? Um, and sometimes that'll spill over into personal stuff. You know, they love their job or they're really happy inside work, but there's something going on outside of work. Um, and so it's great to be able to be there for those people, um, or be there for their outside of work needs as well. And I think that that really shows people that you genuinely care about them as a person, um, not just as an employee and what are you doing for me inside this building, but you know, how's your life going and how, 
are you getting along and how are you feeling? Because, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, your feelings, uh, you, you drag those into work. You know, if you're having a rough time in your personal life, and I've, I've had those as well, you know, then you're not able to perform at your best level inside of work. So um, those two things kind of bleed over. And um, like I said, if you can show a little compassion and care for people uh, in their life in general, then they're going to be great to you inside, you know, when they come inside the restaurant. So let's talk a little bit about the restaurant itself. Um, one of the things that I was struck by was how modern it looks. Mm -hmm. I just, I love that. I think the colors are really inviting and, and it makes you want to stay there for longer than just the time you're eating there. I mean, sure. it seems like a cool place to go hang out. And you're welcome to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is great. Uh, but why do you think that you guys, I mean, there's a lot of breakfast locations in Fort Worth. Why do you think you guys are always packed and, and so successful? Well, um, I think that there are a lot of reasons for that. We have, uh, when you walk into Snooze, you'll notice that there are these little um, compasses everywhere. They're, they look like jacks, but we call them a compass. Yeah. Um, and we always say that our true north, which is the top point on the compass, is our guest. And so we always keep our guests in mind. But, you know, alongside of that, there's seven other points on that compass, and those are all important as well. And so... As a company, we are really focused on a lot of things. You know, the reason that you met me is because I was, Snooze afforded me uh, the luxury of going and being a part of that event that we were a part of and helping out and being a part of the community. So um, I don't know any of any other restaurant company in the world that donates 1% of their, of their annual sales back into the local community. And that's not just our restaurant, that's every single snooze that's out there. Um, you know, that's that's our goal and that's what we strive for every year is to donate 1% of our sales back into the community. And so I think it just really separates us from what everybody else is doing. Cause yes, you can go get breakfast at a whole bunch of different places, but um, it just feels different inside snooze. And I think that you can probably agree with me. Um, you know, I, I think it feels different for those reasons because, um, you know, we are really focused on being a sustainable company and being uh, nice to mother earth. We are focused on, uh, you know, improving the communities that, that we're serving in. Uh, we're focused on taking care of our guests, taking care of our employees. Um, so when you kind of put all of that together, it just, it's just different. Um, and I think that it's, it's hard to sort of put your finger on, but I think that, you know, when you walk into the restaurant and you sit down and you eat a meal and you talk to some of the employees, you just feel it. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely right. I think you hit the, uh, the nail on the head there. That's, that's great. All right. So since you guys have locations all across the country and, and you are franchised at 35, which I'm just now learning. Sure. <laughs> uh, how much input are you allowed to have into the menu or do you get any input at all? So we do get some input. Um, you know, we actually have a corporate chef at the, at the test kitchen office that is sort of creating our menu rollouts and things like that. But being that we are, I, I, it still feels, you know, even though we have 35 restaurants, it still feels like a really small company. Um, and so, you know, all I have to do is write a, a well-worded email with um, some things that make sense and send that to the corporate office and they take that information and they, um, you know, they, they really respect what we have to say. You know, the guys out in the field, the guys that are doing this day in and day out, 
um, really have a huge voice and we really have, so even though we're not the ones really creating the menus, um, you know, we have a say in how those things are uh, rolled out and how they are executed in the kitchens. Um, so it's, it's kind of nice to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, I bet, mm-hmm. I bet that that would be nice because you don't, it is probably also a little bit less stressful to have be somewhere in between there where you're not responsible for the entire menu, but you can make those changes there sure. as well. Absolutely. I bet that, that feels pretty good. Um, you did recently have your spring menu roll out. What is that whole process like? What is that? We did. So um, it's, it's really about a two to three week process, depending on which restaurant that you're in. So um, it's, it's kind of always uh, a hustle just to get the new product in the restaurant, to procure that product. Um, from our vendors. So that's that's really the first step is just kind of getting everything in. Um, and then you're getting all the information handed down uh, from the corporate office as far as recipes, um, new product codes, um, order guides, things like that. And so um, you kind of put all that together and then you're able to, so we get together as a region once a month and um, on the months that we have many rollouts, we sort of uh, stand in the kitchen and we make all the recipes and we talk about it and taste things and, you know, put our heads together. And if there is any feedback or we think a recipe should be changed or tweaked a little bit, again, we can write that email, send it to the corporate office and then, um, you know, that stuff will be put into place. So it's, it's really neat to get that first kind of week to get together and, and tinker with things a little bit. And then on the second week, we have what's called Food Spirit Week. So we'll soft roll uh, an item each day. It won't be on the menu, but our um, our servers will be able to tell the guests about it, offer it to them, and then hopefully we'll the kitchen will get to be able to uh, practice making those items, and then we'll send them out again, get some feedback from some guests. Excuse me, which are um, you know from some items that aren't even on the menu yet. And then on week three, we actually roll the, the menu out. So, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that I would love to. Be a part of that process i think that that seems really neat really yeah it's cool. really it is really interesting because sometimes even uh you know uh after all the managers have gotten together and sort of played with the recipes you know um some of the line cooks will be able to um you know play with it a little bit and give their feedback you know because they're the ones that are really you know i can go back there and i can make the, the recipe a few times but the truth is is I'm not working a station day in and day out. Yeah. You know, those guys are the ones that are really doing it. They're the ones that are actually, you know, putting that thing, putting that recipe into action, you know, 20 times in a day. And so they can really tell you maybe even better than I can sometimes, um, you know, the best way to sort of kind of adjust something a little bit. Now, do you have uh, any constants on the menu, or is that whole menu changing every quarter? No, so we have some some things that might never leave the menu. Uh, yeah. There's some originals on there. Our upside down uh, pineapple pancakes; those have been on there since day one. They'll probably never leave, <laughs> and they are delicious. It tastes almost just like a pineapple upside down <laughs> cake. It really is. It's it's amazing. Do you have a, a favorite on the menu, or is it that upside down pineapple? I think my favorites change over time. Uh, when I first started, there was a few of my go-to dishes that I just ate all the time and I love them. And, um, I think sometimes, you know, I'll venture out and I'll taste something and, you know, it'll be something that maybe I didn't even taste the first time I ate that dish and something will intrigue me about it. And then I'll, that'll be my new favorite for a little while. So it, it changes, uh, it changes through, through 
through the course of time. Yeah, I get that. I get that for sure. Um, so just starting to wrap things up here, we, I do have a lot of culinary students that do listen to this podcast. And for those students, they're looking to get into the field. Is there any advice you could give them for the kind of worker that you're looking for? Sure. Um, I think that there are a couple of things that you can't teach. I think you can go to school and you can learn a whole lot of things. Um, but I think it's probably the things that you can't learn in school that I'm looking for. Um, you can't really teach somebody how to have a really great attitude or a really great work ethic inside of school. Um, I think those things are learned earlier on in life. And so um, if you've got a great attitude and you've got a great work ethic and you're really passionate, um, I think those are just sort of like the baseline things that I look for. Um, anybody that walks into my restaurant and wants a job and has those three things, I can work with that person. Um, I, I, I can teach, I can teach you a whole lot of things. Um, some things you can't. And so, like I said, those things that you just, you can't teach, uh, those are really what, what attracts me to, um, to people. Um, in addition to those things, as far as, uh, characteristics within, uh, somebody that's working, uh, I also, um, I also look for somebody that I can actually sort of feel something from. I know that's a little bit ambiguous to say, <laughs> but um, something it's uh, it's and, and it's hard to explain. But something that you see in somebody's eyes, or something that you can see in their smile, or sort of like a little connection that you can make uh, on an interview, um, usually tells me whether I've got the right person or not. Um, yeah. And if I can sit down and have a great conversation with you about life and what's going on in your world and I can probably work with you inside the restaurant as well so okay cool yeah, I think yeah. those are uh, kind of some small telltale signs that uh, again you know sort of a, something I alluded to in the beginning of the interview is just that it's a partnership you know it's a relationship and so um, you know when I agree to hire somebody I'm agreeing to have a relationship with that person and so you want that person to uh, just embody um, not only what I stand for, but also what what's the culture at Snooze is like as well. So, Yeah, I mean, I can just from this conversation, I can tell you that I think you would be a great person to work for. You know, it's, it seems like an amazing atmosphere over there. Thank you. Uh, just one last question about that is, sure. have you seen a shift in workers from when you started in the early 2000s to now? I know a lot of people, they complain about millennials and, and all that kind of thing. Um, but have you seen that on a day-to-day -day sure, basis? Sure, yes. And uh, Yes, absolutely. The answer is yes. Um, I have seen a shift. And um, I think that it does change by the generation. But I wouldn't go as far as to complain about millennials. <laughs> um, I think they're just a little bit different. And I think that that's a good thing. Um, I, and I think that that's going to continue to change as well. You know, if we sit down and talk in five years or 10 years from now, you know, the, the work uh, force that's coming in is going to be even a little bit different from, you know, what we're seeing now. But I think that along with some of those things that are attached to millennials, I think that um, I think that those are some good qualities that they have too. You know, I think that it's really uh, refreshing for um, people to speak their minds a little bit more now than they did, you know, ten or fifteen years ago. I think it's refreshing for somebody to say, "Hey, this job is not for me," um, as opposed to just sticking it out and being miserable. Because you know, you you did see that. Uh, I think that that's a big difference from you know 15 years ago to now is um, if somebody's not happy in their job, particularly millennials, they'll leave, they'll quit. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a great thing because life's too short to stay somewhere where you're not happy at. You know, and I think that 
that is probably my biggest goal uh, at work, not only for myself, but for my employees, just for everybody to be happy in their jobs. You know, are you are you happy to wake up and to come in here every day and do what you're doing? And if the answer is no, then we should find you a different job, whether it be inside or outside the restaurant. Um, and if the answer is yes, then you're in the right spot. You know, I think that, that um, that's what we should all strive for. I think that's an interesting take on it. Instead of being mad that people might quit the job, it's more, okay, well, they don't like it and you move on. So No, I definitely have a different take. I think if people aren't happy, then um, I, I want to help them. And um, the help is either going to be to, well, the help is really going to be to move them towards happiness. And hope, the hope is that we can find that happiness at some position inside the restaurant. Um, and then if it's not there, then of course, you know, it's a tough thing to let somebody go or to have somebody quit on you. But uh, in the long run, it's it's better for everybody. It really is. It, and, I, and I say that I'm as genuine as I can be when I say that. It's not, um, it doesn't, behoove anybody to, to stay in a place where they're not happy. Yeah. Uh, whether, again, it just be a particular position or it be a, a business that they're not happy with. So uh, I'm more than happy to help both, you know, myself and the other party move on from that uh, situation and relationship. And, and, and I think the other thing that it does is it provides an opportunity for somebody that doesn't work for us to come in and have a, a really great spot where we're happy with them and they're really happy with us. And we've got that great fit that we're always looking for. Cool. Well, Jack, this has uh, really been a very enjoyable conversation for me. It's been great. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on. And uh, before I let you go, I, I want to ask you um, just where people can find out more information about Snooze sure. and then where they can eat there and, and what your hours are. And, and of course. Um, so um, my Snooze restaurant is located at 2150 West 7th Street in Fort Worth. It's just on the other side of the bridge from downtown. Um, but if you want to know about Snooze in general, just look us up on our website. We have a really uh, heavy social media presence on Facebook, Instagram. Um, we're always posting some cool pictures of food that we're coming out with, um, and just what what we're being, you know, what we're involved in, which is a lot in the community. So, um, if you want to know more about us, uh, snoozeeatery.com is is, uh, is our website. Okay, cool. Well, thanks again so much for coming on. I'll definitely be eating there. I encourage everyone listening to go eat at Snooze. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I hope to, to hear from you soon that you have 10 more locations. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I really had a good time today. That interview with Jack Parsons was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Camp Bowie Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu or you can reach them by phone at 817-737-8427. Also, you can check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school at Culinary School of Fort Worth on Facebook and Culinary School FTW on Instagram.